0: If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Uh, Our reading today will be from here. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Nebulun and and the land of Nephete. But in the future, he will honour Galilee and the nations of By the way of the sea beyond Jordan. The people walk in darkness and have seen a great light. On those living in the land, a deep darkness, a light has dawned, and you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice, and when dividing the plunder, for as in the days of Midian, defeat. You have shattered the yoke of the burden on them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Even the warrior's boot used to battle and even the garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on... And forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, God will bless his word. Uh, What a great scripture, isn't it? And yet it's a great scripture that is so uh, familiar to each one of us. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. There is a note here in Isaiah chapter 9 of great joy, a sense of something coming, a what we call an eschatological uh, vision of the future that is taking place and something that is happening and there's a full feeling of hope and joy. We love hope, don't we? We love hope as Christians. We love hope as Canadians. We hoped that we would beat Croatia and yet... Yet it was not to be. And if you're online and you watch the game and now you're watching church, today you're going to get some hope. Uh, But, you know, at least we got a goal. Hallelujah. That's all we needed to break a running streak of no goals at the World Cup. But we live in a world of darkness. And when we look at this passage of Scripture... When we realise what this passage is about, and and keep your Bibles open, if you will, or your devices, let me remind you about the, the power of this scripture. Let me remind you that it is for telling something that is so remarkable. Because at this point, Israel is in crisis. The land that it's talking about here in Galilee is in crisis, there is darkness that has come in. The Assyrians have arrived. There is a battle. They're crying out for help. But their help, they're not crying out for help here from the Yahweh, from their God. They're crying out for help from the Assyrians to beat the Assyrians. And they want, they're looking for an answer. And the land that it speaks of is the land north of the Galilean Sea. It's a fertile land. There is an ancient road that goes all the way through Galilee that would go there to Mount Hermon and on towards Damascus. It was an ideal spot where armies would come and they would march and they would take this land. And here Galilee, here the land, here the land is in darkness, here the land is in pain and suffering. What has actually happened in this text? Well, what has happened is that the lights have gone off, is that the glory of God in the region of Galilee, the lights have gone off. And we always, that experience, they have gone their own way, they have travelled their own distance and as a result, they have lost that connection with God and it's gone off. And of course, Christmas is all about the lights going on. As you can see, we've got lights coming. And next week, when we put up thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lights through this building for Living Nativity. And at this point, we have uh, 5,300 people having uh, tickets, free tickets for Living Nativity. So that's, that's quite amazing, isn't it? And we've got two weeks to go. Um, don't know where we're going to fit them all in. Uh, but it's amazing. And, it's, and there'll be lights, there'll be music, there'll be joy. Maybe you've done your Christmas tree yet. Maybe next weekend you go out into the bush and you saw it down and you drag it back from Savon. And, and you do that. And, and you'll make it all wonderful with your lights, and we'll look at it, and that's when our family do it, and we all do it. And then there's a the crowning moment when we take the angel and of the Lord, and it looks a little bit like a fairy. And, um, and we'll pop it on the top, and we'll all uh, applaud. Um, well, yes, that's kind of what we aim for, but kids are usually, you know... Grabbing this and doing that and and so on. But it's about the light. It's about the glory. It's about the wonder. The Christmas trees appear all over cities and towns. New York will have their perfect Christmas tree right there. That iconic symbol about light shining in the middle of the darkness. But the problem in these verses is that we've got a major difficulty. And the difficulty in the text is this, that they have removed themselves from the canopy of God's protection over their lives. And as a result, what has happened is that a great darkness has arrived in the land you see, Israel is always promised that if they follow God, if they, if they obey him as Lord, if they put Yahweh first, the Hebrew name for God, as number one, then there is a canopy of protection. And we, we, we hear a lot about protection at the moment, of course, with the Ukraine war and uh, with, with the missiles that go up to shoot down other missiles and the, the shield. And we know about the, the, the shield over, over Israel that protects from, the, from the, um, the missiles that are coming. and over It's like a shield that comes. Well, this is literally what the Lord promised his people. That if you follow me, if you hold on to me, then I will be a shield over you and I will protect you from the aggression of the enemy. But if you choose to step out of my covering, then things start to happen. Things start to go wrong. And when things go wrong, we walk away from the reality of the way Israel should have lived. How should Israel have lived? Israel should have lived By walking and following the Lord and by following the cloud of the presence of God by day and the fire, the pillar of fire by night. In other words, they are called as a people to put God first, to follow God, but as a result of their own way, as a result... Of the lights going off, they have become dark. They have lost their sight. A deep darkness, it says in the scripture here, has descended on this area of Galilee. A deep darkness has come on the road to Mount Hermon. A deep darkness has arrived. And the land of Naphtila has become dark This region that should be so fertile, in fact, today is wonderfully fertile. It is a a stunning valley of agriculture and life that exists today. It's just 44 miles north of the top of the Sea of Galilee, where the Jordan River runs into Galilee and then, of course, goes on um, and leaves Galilee and goes towards the Dead Sea. But the good news of the text is this. That even though there is a great darkness, God will send a glorious light into the world. He will send a light that will change everything. He will send a light that will make a difference. He will send this light to come and to, um, to arrive But this light is nothing to do with their ability, their work. This light is purely to do with a gift of grace that God is giving to the world. It is a gift of grace. It is a glorious gift. It is a wonderful... The people walk in darkness, verse 2, have seen a great light on those living in the land... Of a deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice. You see, what it's actually saying is, is that there's great despair, great darkness, great pain, and yet there is going to be a promise of a glorious victory. And when you look at this text, it's about the juxtaposition of a great darkness with a great victory. And a victory will come. That he's promising, the prophet is speaking the utterance out under the power of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking these words and he's saying, there is a victory coming. There is a victory coming. There is a victory coming. You're, you're feeling the yoke around you, verse for as in the days of Midian's defeat, talking about Gideon, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. The prophet is speaking about a time that is going to come where Something's going to happen where you are oppressed, you feel the yoke, you feel the pain, you feel the iron bar across your shoulders. You feel the weight of this, but a time will come when all of this oppression will be completely shattered. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the excitement of the prophet as he's prophesying this? And then, as he prophesies, you ask the question, how? How's all this going to happen? Because at the moment, the Syrians are all over the place. How is this going to take place? Well, remarkably, it's going to take place by a birth of a child. The child will be born. And this child, in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. A baby will be born that will change the oppression, that will break the darkness, that will make a difference. And this baby, that where there is now disaster, God promises that he will bring victory. Where there is now darkness, God promises that he will come and bring a glorious light. Where there is oppression and pain and agony, they're promising that through a baby... They will come. And this could have been really confusing for for Isaiah as he's prophesying this. A baby's coming and this baby is going to change everything. This baby is going to be born and it's going to be a promise to Israel and a promise to David's throne. It's going to change absolutely everything. This is a game changer. So how's it going to happen? And I can imagine that the prophet is feeling a little bit confused here because he knows that it's the throne of David. And for us, a child is born, verse six, to us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Well, Isaiah is saying, how? Well, how? First of all, we know in the first few verses that he is going to humble the nation. And out of them being humbled, out of the humbleness, he's going to raise up honor and glory and wonder. And God's going to do it a marvelous thing. And at the moment, they are being humbled. But in the future, God's going to bring honor through a child that is going to be born. There's going to be an amazing child. It's going to change everything. It's going to be magnificent. Hmm. Okay, and what we know the nature of this child is a baby, but we know that this teaches us that the nature of the child is a baby, and this baby will then defeat all the darkness within the world. This baby... He's going to defeat all the darkness in the world. And then the next thing we know from this passage is that he will be a son, a son of David on the throne of David, a son of David, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Whoa, Mighty God. Imagine Isaiah going, "What, what are you talking about? This is, this is a baby being born on the line of David, from the throne of David, that is going to be called Mighty God. Isn't this almost blasphemy? And, and he's, he's prophesying this. And I can imagine Isaiah going, mm, okay, I'm under the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is God-breathed. But oh, this baby's going to be born. It's going to, be, it's going to have a name. And we're we going to give it the name Mighty God. No human being can take the name Mighty God." No other gods. Now in the ancient world, an Egyptian Pharaoh would take the name Mighty God." In the ancient world, a Babylonian Lord would take the name Ancient God. Mighty God. But for a Jewish, for a Jewish prophet to prophesy about a child being born. That would be called mighty God. I can imagine Isaiah's conflict at this moment. Wondering and saying, how is this going to work? How is this going to happen? God's going to come with us. God's going to be present with us. And, and we're going to call this person, this baby, mighty God, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. It's doing my, it's, you know, it's sending me crazy. It's like a Rubik's cube. How's it going to happen? I hate Rubik's cubes. Um, I could do it, but I used to break them and put them all back together. Um, it's like a puzzle that is taking place. How is God going to do it? And we're going to have God with us. We have God present, Emmanuel, God with us. That's terrifying. I am unrighteous. Imagine when God comes amongst us and we have to live right. How, what is is the truth here of what is being communicated? Well, truth number one from this text is this. That where there is a great darkness, God is promising such a remarkable light that will change the world. And the truth is for you and I, that you may feel the darkness of this world. You may feel the pressure, but God is promising that in our darkness, in our deep darkness, whatever that means for you, whether that is grief, whether that is a, a pain, whether that is sickness, whether that is a struggling in relationships, whether that is a business, what you are facing, whether it's in your very soul, where you feel a deep darkness, God promises a glorious light will come to change all the deep darkness. Darkness. Secondly, he says, he makes it clear that where there is conflict, there will be peace. He says that the warriors will, will burn their, their blood-drenched clothes. They will get rid of all of this. There will be a change. That where there is conflict, where there is battle, where there is agony, where there is war, God will come and bring peace as well. And boys, we look at the news today and we see what's happening around the world, we long for the day when the Messiah returns and that there will be peace on earth once more. We want that to change But even in your life, the conflict that you are facing, the the conflict that you're wondering, why am I here? What is my life about? I, I don't seem to be getting it right. I seem to have a problem within me. What is this conflict? God promises you that if you're conflicted in your life, that through the birth of this baby, you will lose your conflicted soul and you will receive the peace that only comes through a relationship with God. And that peace comes. And boy, do we need peace in today's society. Uh, People are agonizing. We're we're stressing out. We're losing our direction. We're losing our foundation. We're wondering about what this world is all about. And yet we need to be reminded that in, in, in the conflict, God wants to bring peace to mankind. He wants to bring peace into your life. He wants to bring peace here. It says that those that are lost, maybe you feel lost. But he promises that out of the lostness, there will come an abundance. And the promise is that again, the harvest will come. Again, God will work. Again, there will be a a glorious abundance that will take place. And, And out of our despair, there will be joy. In other words, what he's saying is that if you're a human being and you feel like you're in darkness, you feel like you're in conflict, you feel like you are lost, you feel like you're in despair, there is a baby that is going to be born that his name is going to be Mighty God and this Mighty God baby is going to change absolutely everything in the world and one day it's going to change everything in the cosmos because there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But you can imagine Isaiah scratching his head, prophesying this, walking around, writing it down, thinking to the Lord. What do you mean? He's going to be a baby from the line of David. He's going to have a throne in Jerusalem. His government will be upon his shoulders and yet his name will be mighty God. What is actually painting a picture is that the Lord of Hosts, Yahweh, is coming to the rescue of humanity. That here he is, literally the picture in Scripture, is God on a horse galloping down towards a battle and there Yahweh is coming with the host of heaven and Yahweh is coming in the thick of the darkness, in the thick of the battle, in the thick of the oppression of the Assyrians and he's coming in power and the mighty Lord of hosts, Yahweh, is going to come and rescue us and come and rescue the nation. It's like that moment when in, in Tolkien... In the Lord of the Rings, if you've seen it, where Gandalf the White comes over the top of the hill and he's leading on this this, this horse. Uh, The steer, and as he comes down the hill, there's a whole crowd of the army that is coming because the beleaguered, entrenched people have no hope, nowhere to turn. It's impossible. They are surrounded. It is the end, and yet suddenly an army comes from nowhere to bring victory and to bring rescue into the situation. This is the picture of what is taking place. See, what is happening in this text is that the stage is being built for the arrival of the baby. For the arrival of this child. And this child will be unique. Both man and God. Will be God as man. Within the triune. This is how how this baby can be a mighty God because he is God. It's the most fascinating thing here. That what it's actually saying is that there is a beauty that the transcendent glory of God will be created in human form. That the glory of the transcendent God of all his glory and all his wonder, of our triune God, he is coming. He is coming. He's coming to break the darkness. He's coming to bring the end to the conflict. He is coming to reach those who are lost. He is coming. He is coming. Coming for those who are in despair, who feel the rod across their back. He is coming for the weak. He is coming for the broken. And he is not coming in a way we're expecting. He is coming as a baby. In a manger. In the town of Bethlehem. The town of David. And so if you think for a moment, the transcendent God becomes created in a woman's womb, carried for nine months, born into this world, we realize that the morally perfect God was willing to come into this world and to take sin upon himself for this world. We realize that the infinite God, everlasting, never ending, always having been here, always present, always there, the infinite chooses to become finite, chooses to enter our world, chooses to enter now. It's glorious. It is remarkable. And that he's willing to do that, that the immortal God is willing to become mortal. But the promise is, is that he will take the throne of David. The promise is, is that this child will be from the throne of David in Jerusalem and he will reign on the throne of David. Well, let me tell you something glorious this morning, that, that this baby who grew up to become the Lord Jesus Christ, this baby that grew up to become the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all right, phone calls are important, uh, that this baby that became the Lord Jesus Christ, um, he will go on the throne, but what he will go on is a throne made of a cross. And he will be nailed to that cross. And when he's nailed to that cross, that is his throne. Isn't that glorious? We promise and it will happen in Galilee. And he will come from Galilee and from this place. Oh, that he will bring this glorious, glorious words to come true. Verse 2, the people walk in a great darkness and have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke and that burdened them. And the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burn and will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of the greatness of his government and the peace there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne. But he will reign through a splintered cross. And his throne will be on that day when he was crucified. But he will reign, of course, again on David's throne at the second coming. And over his kingdom establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness. And from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. is that remarkable? It is the most glorious text because the only way you can interpret this text is by interpreting it the way that we interpret it at Christmas. The only way you can understand it in the theological rigor of the Scriptures is understanding it that God became a child and dwelt amongst us. And he came to bring light into our darkness. He came to bring peace into our conflict. He came to bring abundance into our life. And he came to bring joy into our despair. Oh, I don't need to tell many stories today because this is the best story I could possibly tell. I don't need too many illustrations today because this is the biggest and the most glorious illustration each one of us can experience. It is the incarnation and the arrival of God into Galilee to bring joy into the world. And most of Jesus' ministry was in Galilee. Praise God. For this, let's pray together. Maybe at this moment, Lord, we want to humble ourselves to you. And Lord, we want to just sit in the story, in the text. We want to be reminded that we have seen in many ways half of this scripture fulfilled but we're looking forward to the full fulfillment of the new creation and the second coming of Christ. We thank you that now, if we need a wonderful counsellor, you are here for us. If we want to see the face of the almighty God, mighty God, we look at the portrait of Jesus. We look at Jesus, who is the portrait of God. If we want to connect with the everlasting Father, we can connect to the gift of the everlasting Son. And we thank you that in this turbulent days, we can have just the joy of knowing the Prince of Peace at work in our lives, Lord. So thank you. And help us, Lord, to step into this Advent season. And forgive us, Lord, when we've gone outside the canopy of God's protection because we've done it our own way. Forgive us, Lord. Just for a moment, if you know you've gone out of the canopy of God's protection, You're doing it your own way and it feels like the lights have gone off in your life. The lights have gone off in your home. The lights have gone off. Then maybe it's time to get back under the canopy of God. And start following the cloud by day and the fire by night. So, Lord, help us to take that step and to make that move, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I encourage you tonight to come to Willow One Prayer, worship and prayer. There have been glorious times. And if you're volunteering at Living Nativity or through the Christmas period, we want to pray for Living Nativity. Uh, With already over 5,000 people committed to coming. We want it to do its job and why we've done that. And that is just to reach our community with the good news of what I've preached today. That the oppression, that the darkness, that the conflict, that the loss will be met by the gift of Jesus in the world. And he will make that, that unique difference. So come and pray. 5.30. in there's free soup afterwards. What more do you want? Um, maybe wings. But there's a um, great opportunity. And let's worship together. If you want prayer, people will be here to pray at the end of the service and in the service. And we, um, we just want to thank you for joining us. And those online, thank you so much. Let's stand together as we finish. Thank you.